How appropriate, we're here in Florida, but it's raining today. We come in, and everybody, some people had umbrellas. I confused this whole section of the church before because we usually go outside and come back, and I said, no, it's raining, so we're not going to go outside and come back. So I went up the middle aisle, but the music had already begun, and I asked someone, is that a rehearsal, is that the real thing? He said the real thing, so I had to make a U-turn in between <laughs> the aisle, and we came back. But we got here. That might be a good metaphor for us to begin. Going one way and turning around. The word very common, very ancient Greek for this time of year is metanoia. Metanoia is turning inside out. And in a sense, we hear that reiterated both in the first reading and in the gospel today. Turning inside out. Basically, you know the biblical story of Noah. And you realize this is, it's not history, the story of the flood and the ark and the animals and all that good stuff. But it's what we call biblical myth. It's stories that were gathered from the people of Israel and put into their belief system and written down and passed down through oral traditions first and then, of course, written eventually. But it was a myth that had gone on in Mesopotamia centuries before the Jews ever came on the scene. And if you know northern Iraq and Iran, and it's been on the news for the last few years quite a bit, there is a great river that comes down between them. It's called the Tigris-Euphrates. And once a year, the mountains in Khartoum, the snow on those mountains melts. And as those snows melt, the river, the Tigris-Euphrates, both come together and they flood their banks. Common. You and I could figure it out. If we had the, uh, what do you call those things, a drone, we could see the, how that happens from above. And it, it's a historical thing, and it's also a seasonal thing for those people in Mesopotamia 5,000 years ago. The Jews come on the scene, having been led there by Abram, who calls, is called by God to go to the Promised Land. He has no idea where it is. He's called out of that area to go to, again, always on the news, Palestine, the Holy Land, the land flowing with milk and honey. So when the Jews come on the scene in around 1850 B.C., they're the newbies on the block. So people had already known, the Semite people who lived there had already been very familiar with the floods. And what they did with the floods is what we do with stories of the day. We make them approachable related to the seasons. So they use the floods, Mesopotamian culture, they use the floods as a way of teaching, cleansing, taking care of the environment, appreciating God, who's their gods, who sends water to fertilize the land and then the water gets reduced, and they have land flowing with fruit. So when the Jews come on, the Israelites come on the scene, 
They know the tradition, but I'm a Jew now. Our ancestors are different. Our God is not one of those pagan gods. So how does this flood affect us? Because we look at the signs of the times, and I hope we do that today as well, and we try to interpret what God wants of me during this period of my life and of the world's existence. And the Jews did that too. Under the leadership of their elders, I can just see them gathering around the campfire at night after they've been settled, because don't forget they're nomadic people. They travel in, in tribes, literally. And the, the patriarch of that particular group saying to the kids, now be careful, a flood's going to be coming soon, and it's going to flood this area, so we can't go there. The, the practical, what you would do for the practical aspect of nature. But those people, I can see the kids saying, but those people who are here, they think it was the god of water, the god of war, the god of flooding, the god of plants, the god that did all that. And I can see the patriarch. Don't forget, the patriarch is those who follow Abram, and Abram is the one who was led there. Eventually, God changes his name to Abraham by the nameless one, by Yahweh. Our God has no name. We're Jews now. We're Israelites now. We're around the campfire. And the elder is telling us, our God has no name. So we can't do like they did. A God of water, a God of fire, a God of this, a God of that. No, no, there's only one. And our God is God. Not a God. Our God is God. Our God, Yahweh, has no name. He is all in all. So the kids say, well, well, Grandpa, what happens when the flood came? All those people got, oh, well, no, no, no. See, you're here because God spared his holy people. Some of the people stay spared and had put their faith in him. Some didn't want God in their lives. And this is what happened. This is how we're here now. This is how we survived. Our ancestors survived. God said to Noah, generations had already gone, creation was already in process. I mean, again, this is we're talking around the year 1800 BC. You know, just, you know better than I, the creation is a billion years old. So we're truncating history and we're putting it to practical use as believers. And the patriarch says, well, what happened was God was very upset with creation. And people were just disregarding him and his teachings left and right. And he was upset. But there was one family who obeyed him. That was Noah's family and his clan and his kids and his children and his fields and his farms. They obeyed him. So God gave them a heads up. God said, Noah, now this is, don't forget, not history, it's biblical history, it's interpretation of nature through the eyes of faith. Very important. He says, Noah, build a big ark, build a boat, because the flood's going to come when the Tigris-Euphrates join and the, and the mountains melt and the water comes up. All this land that they're living in is going to be flooded. 
So Noah says, okay. And he builds a boat. I'm not sure it wasn't that easy, but he builds the boat. But I want creation to last. I went through all this trouble of making creation. This is God talking. I went through all this trouble, make, and you're not going to find this in the Bible. This is the Bible according to Louis, okay? I, made, I went through all this trouble to make creation and, and cats and dogs and bugs and, and alligators and spiders and giraffes and all these animals. I don't want them to go in a flood. So do me a favor, take two of every creation. Now, think of the concept and the reality. The reality, forget it. How are you going to do that? Two of every animal creation. So we're not talking historical message. We're talking biblical message. So as far as he's concerned, Noah and his clan gather two of every, every animal. <laughs> I have one dog. She's more than I can handle. Love her dearly, sleeps with me, looks forward to me coming home. I look forward to seeing her. Could you imagine an ark filled with two of every animal that are yours? My own, it would have been crazy. So in history, it's not. Biblical theology, it is. So they load him up on the ark. The floods come, 40 days, 40 nights, key word, 40. And the, word, the waters secede, and Noah's given the message, let him out, and creation begins again. Now, that's the theology of it. Beginning of creation is what we're going to now. We are now in a similar pattern of 40 days of recreation. That's why we're here for this, during the season of Lent. God created. We screwed up. We got to do it again. Basically, that's a summary. And 40 is important in biblical language. It's a complete number. Is it literally one, two, three, four? No. It's 40, the full number, a whole bunch of days, however you want to word it, but it's a significant number in which God intervenes in our lives. So we, people, from the Israelites to us, have adapted that 40 number of days. 40 generations in the desert, the Israelites. 40 days of the flood, Noah's people. Jesus, and we have it today, 40 days in the desert. Surrounded by, and here we are, this is us. Let me, let me rephrase that. Hold on. Jesus comes to Clearwater. God drove the spirit of Jesus to Clearwater. And he remained in Clearwater for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was surrounded by beasts, and the angels came to minister to him. We are in those 40 days now. Beginning the other day when you were marked with ashes. We're surrounded by beasts. But God always sends his angels to us. Who are the beasts? The four-legged ones are the easiest ones to cope with. That's not a beast for us. Unless you go into Lowry's Hill, that's a different story. There are beasts all around us, led by Satan. 
Jesus, in another gospel, you realize, gets into dialogue with Satan. He's in a dialogue with sin. That's who Satan is. The liar, the deceiver. Sin itself. If you reject God, you're sinning. He was the first to reject God. He is dubbed sin itself. He is Satan. He is the devil. And has not gone away. He wasn't washed away with the flood. He won't be washed away with our rain. He's still with us. Here in the church, yes. Believe me, yes. Outside, absolutely. In our politics, open the newspapers, listen to your Twitters, listen to your feeds, yes. Manipulating people through politics, yes. Avoiding giving food to the hungry, yes. Satan. Taking care or ignoring the poor, yes. Satan. The wild beasts. And the list goes on. Greed. Lust. Envy. Wild beasts. Led by Satan. And he's in the world. And regrettably, in the corners of our physical building in the church. Waiting to stomp on any one of us. Waiting to get under our skin. Waiting to, to get you who may have just received the Eucharist to go out in the parking lot and get cut off by somebody and you yell a whole bunch of profanities at him or her. Waiting for you as you drive around the corner and someone cuts you off for you to give that person the finger having come from church. That's Satan. That's evil personified. I got another one, he would say. As long as we give in to the lowest temptations that we have, we are being manipulated by Satan. And so was Jesus. But he resisted. Oh, you know the stories in other Gospels. They have different versions. Mark's stories are the shortest, succinct, right to the point. You're hungry? Make some bread. You're hungry? See this rock, Jesus? See this rock? Imagine it's a nice loaf of bread that your mother just pulled out of the oven. Mmm. You're hungry for 40 days? Mmm. I'll give you a little butter, a little margarine, it'll be nice on it. No. Don't tempt God. Don't take the things of the world and use them to mock God. And we do that. We do. I, I, I don't know if it's the worst sin, but I sometimes think it is hypocrisy. It could be the worst sin because it's like bella figura. The ancient Romans, when they made the calendar, they used the first month of the calendar as January, after the god Janus. Janus was a god who had two faces, one this way and one this way. And the idea of the symbol was he looks forward and he looks past. That's what a calendar is all about. A bella figura is the same thing. False face. To go to church, to do the right things, to make the novenas, to come to our mission this week and go out and do or wish evil. 
or apathy. That's Satan. And he's going to be after you this week, especially discouraging you from coming to church for our mission, which is going to be totally focused on the passion of Jesus and his holy resurrection. That's why we're here. Because he, Jesus Christ, became a human being for you and for me. And we're going to imitate him and his mother Mary at our mission walking with her as she sees him fall, as they wipe his face, as they beat the hell out of him. She's going to be there. And so are you and me. We need to be there. We need to recall what Jesus did for us because the beasts will get us if we're not. And the beasts are always after you and me. And the worst beast is hypocrisy. Look one way and say something different. Forty days of fasting, almsgiving, and prayer. It's begun. Join us for our mission, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 7 o'clock. If you have time beforehand, this is most beautiful. There'll be a half hour before the mission begins of the Blessed Sacrament exposed for private prayer. We need Lent. The Israelites needed freedom, and so do we. Choose who will be with you, the beasts or the angels.